We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back. Welcome back, Irish Breakdown Nation, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Y'all remember that, dude? That's Brian Smith. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we are here to talk about Notre Dame picking up Christopher Tarek, a 2023 offensive lineman from Glen Ellen, Illinois, Glen Bard West. If that sounds familiar, it's close to a 2024 commit, uh, Cam Williams, who's from Glen Bard East. Or no, is is he from Glenbard South? Cam Williams is from Glenbard South. So obviously a very, very close area. So Notre Dame picks up an offensive lineman from Christopher Tarek and not just picked them up, Brian, but they flipped them from Wisconsin. And I think you and I would both agree <laughs> that when you can go beat Kit Wisconsin for kids, you're landing some a, a, a physical kid and the kid with some potential and some upside. I love getting at least one good offensive or defensive lineman from Chicago. It's just a traditional thing because I grew up in the uh, Lou Holtz era anyway. But when I watched his film, and I know we're going to talk more specifics about it in a moment, his junior to senior film, I mean, he was a good player as a junior, but the difference is striking to me to see him as a senior. I just watched it again a few minutes ago. So, yes, it is indeed a good pickup. Brian, there's, this is an interesting backstory, so let's kind of talk about how this one went down. Then we'll get into you know, what the class impact is for Notre Dame. We'll watch some film, and then we'll talk about what's next in this class. So Christopher Tarek obviously is a name that wasn't on the radar for a while. And you watch his junior film, Brian, and you're like, yeah, he's a nice kid. He's a project type of kid that can go to Wisconsin, sit for two, three years, and you know, eventually have a chance to – to step in and be a guard there and maybe be an all big town caliber, big 10 caliber kid comes out as a senior, a little longer, a little thicker, and he was moving better. And his senior film for me really popped, which we'll, we'll get into here in a little bit. And then as Notre Dame started kind of looking around at 2020, uh, the 2023 class, they were in a situation, Brian, where when you look at, and, and we'll kind of talk about this, the, the class impact five offensive linemen, wasn't a need. It was more of a want if the right guy came along. I reached out to some sources in the last couple of weeks as Christopher Tarek was kind of in decision-making mode and said, hey, if you guys, you know, if Notre Dame doesn't get this kid, where do they turn? 
And the answer I kind of got back was they nowhere. They'll focus on 2024. They don't need another offensive lineman. Harry Heastan and the staff liked Christopher Tarek. They wanted Christopher Tarek. It was either him or nobody else on the offensive line. And so right. they got on him later. They brought him in for a visit in the middle of October uh, so that fans kind of will will understand that recruits don't re- – I, I say this all the time, Brian. Every time Notre Dame loses a game, I literally had people asking me this last night. Does the loss to USC, how's it going to affect us with recruits? Are we going to lose any recruits because of it? I'm like, no, they're not. Recruits don't react that emotionally. Christopher Tarek visited for Notre Dame's game against Stanford. Okay? So my, Michael Floyd visited. Manti Teo visited for the 2008 game against Syracuse. Michael Floyd visited Notre Dame and committed to Notre Dame in 2007 as part of one of the best recruiting classes Notre Dame has had, or I would argue the best recruiting class Notre Dame has had since in the post Lou Holtz era. Uh, kids don't react as emotionally to that stuff. He saw what Notre Dame was doing with the offensive line, and he, they made a push. Now, here's the interesting thing, Brian. You, We get this a lot. This next part of the story, we get a lot with Notre Dame kids, and it usually tells me this is why this kid is a Notre Dame kid. And, and it with, with Tarek, it was – he knew for a while he wanted, from what I'm told, he wanted to go to Notre Dame. That's where he kind of knew was the best place for him. But he's very torn on flipping and decommitting. And and because Wisconsin got him early, we remember that with Drew Tranquil. I remember that with Nick Martin having a tough time, you know, stepping away from Kentucky. We see that with a lot of kids. And sometimes they end up not flipping. Remember Jordan Westerkamp, the receiver from Nebraska, yeah. ended up not flipping yeah. to Notre Dame. Uh, but a lot of them do, and obviously Christopher Tarek did. So that's really what it came down to was that decision. He was really torn about it. He had actually kind of told the staff that he was going to take a step back, finish his regular or finish the playoffs for his high school team. He wanted to focus on his team. They lost, I think, in I think in round two of the playoffs. And then this last week, he's really been in decision making mode, and you know, gave the staff the word today. So that's kind of a little bit of the backstory on how this whole thing went down, Brian. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think that shows that he's got some character. First off, Notre Dame beats to a different drum than especially where I, I have been living in the state of Florida in terms of how programs have done their business over the decades. So he will probably fit in. He looks at big picture. What do you have to do to fit in in Notre Dame's curriculum as well as their social structure? Kids that aren't just going to make fly off the handle decisions. So I didn't know that he was struggling with it that much. I wasn't sure 
if Notre Dame was pushing for him, but obviously they were. So to me, that's a good sign. And, you know, I, I respect Wisconsin's program, especially for O-line. It's been tremendous for, what, 25 years? Yeah. So I don't have a problem with somebody, you know, hey, I want to be a part of that. I don't, you know, I don't have any problem. They were, quite honestly, over that same time, they've been better at O-line than Notre Dame has. Notre Dame's been more up and down. So mm-hmm. I get it. But uh, if he came to that conclusion and he went through the process in a long fashion, it was probably the best way for him to do it and good for Notre Dame for getting it. Let's talk about the class impact of this, Brian. Obviously, this is the 25th player to commit to Notre Dame in the 2023 class. They're not done yet. They've got at least two more spots that they'd like to fill. This gives them 13 offensive players. I still remember kind of early in the summer, uh, Notre Dame fans talking about, is the the offensive class going to pick up and catch up to the defensive class? Well, they have now passed them in numbers. They now have 13 offensive commits. And he is the fifth offensive lineman to commit. Technically, he's the sixth offensive lineman to commit, but Elijah Page decommitted and flipped to USC uh, earlier in the year. So this gives them five offensive linemen. When you looked at the last couple years, Brian, you know, Notre Dame came up short numbers in 2020. And that was the class with Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody. The 2019 class is down to one to down to two kids. It's Andrew Christoffic and Zeke Carell. So you landed two players in 2019 that are still left on the roster. Two players uh, from the 2020 class, and then you had five-man class in 2021 and a five-man class last year. So that kind of put Notre Dame into a you only really need four, and in a worst-case scenario, they could get away with three because of the youth on the current roster. When Joey Tanona's career was ended by injury, he got in a, a, a car accident and it just made it to where he couldn't come back and play football anymore. It opened up a spot for a, another lineman. And that's kind of when you saw Notre Dame look around to guys like Elijah page and, and they could even potentially go to six if it was the right group. Although five was kind of the number, but the five was sort of what they wanted. It wasn't the need. They weren't going to take a fifth offensive lineman just to take a guy. I think people need to, to, to understand that this was not a, Gee, you lost Elijah Page, so you got to go find somebody move. They were perfectly fine being at four because four was the need. Five gives you that buffer, Brian. And I think when it comes to offensive linemen, I think being able to kind of have that where if you find the right kid is important. I think that's important, Brian. I want you to comment on that. But the second part of it, too, is I think for the second year in a row, Notre Dame has landed a starting five. And I that's think that's I an important one, too. Now, of course, Joey Tonona ended up not being able to pan out, but they landed pure tackles last year, uh, but they landed guards in the center. And this year, even more so, I think one thing that impacted the the, the ability to take Christopher Tarek was the, the senior seasons from Sullivan Absher and Charles Jagasol because they looked more like future tackles, whereas before it's kind of like, you know, right tackle guard, especially Jagasol looking like he could even play left tackle now. That gave them the ability to take a kid like Tarek and not have to look for a pure tackle, which was kind of the earlier need for the fifth guy. I think those two things obviously were very interesting aspects of Notre Dame being able to to find this kid, identify this kid, and push for this kid, and of course get another kid from the state of Illinois. Your point about getting five is something that I talk about all the time with recruiting, and I'll argue with fans. You'll see a school get excited; they they have a position where they're struggling, pick whatever school, whatever position, and they'll over-recruit it a year, which is fine. But do you have a balanced class, at least over two two classes? Look at Texas A&M. You cannot recruit defensive line any better than they have over the last four years. It's not possible. But 
they didn't have other parts around it that worked together. And they had a lot of individuals instead of team guys, kind of like what we were talking about with Tarek coming for the right reasons. That Those things destroy you. This kid adds into a group that you can put together that from left tackle to right tackle can balance itself out. And like you said, they wanted, you know, if they were going to take a kid, they weren't going to waste a scholarship. They're down to kind of the numbers. If they're going to take anybody else. It's got to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. I can't see why they wouldn't have done this. So fit at Notre Dame is a little different again, but just from my football perspective, it makes sense. My only question for you, Brian, out of the kids they've taken last year and this year, which one is the most likely to end up playing center? Because that's right. except for left tackle. I mean, it's probably the hardest spot to play on. The Joe Odding is the kid they're targeting for that now, but Sam Pendleton has also been talked about possibly doing that. I think it's, you know, in, in a two year span, you've got because Tonona was a kid that they had potentially yeah. looked at that along with Ashton Craig last year. I think now Ashton Craig is kind of the fit there. You have Pat Coogan playing that position from the 2021 class. My understanding is Joe Odding will probably get first crack at that, but then you'll also potentially see Sam Pendleton get some uh, chances to do that too, if that's going to get him on the field faster. And I've compared Sam Pendleton a lot to a kid that he reminds me a ton of is Braxton Cave. You know, oh, so I, I think, you know, weight room kid, you know, 6'3", 6'4", you know, real physical, broad shoulders, you know, a little, little more stocky than he is long. You know, really fits inside. Reminds me a lot of Braxton Cave uh, coming out of high school. Maybe moves a tad better than Braxton did. But Braxton was a good football player at Notre Dame, especially before the foot injury. And in, uh, it was a 2010 when he hurt his foot or 2011. Yeah. That kind of hampered him a little bit. But still a good football player at Notre Dame. No question about it. Yeah, I hope that Notre Dame can keep this balance up. And it's ironic that this kid committed today because you and I talked to some of the same people around the industry you're not going to beat USC or any team unless you can run the ball consistently, et cetera, et cetera. Last night, obviously number seven being banged up and he's, he's a freight train, but he had turf toe. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get a, you know, you don't get to use your best player. That hurts quarterback situations. A little iffy, although you got to give Drew Pine credit. He was accurate last night. I mean, there ain't any way around. Yeah. He was accurate. I'll give you credit, but USC had a special, special player on the other side. If you mm-hmm. if USC is in that position, which I'm sure they're going to recruit quarterback at a high level, that's who Notre Dame's recruiting against, along with you know Alabama, Georgia. You need to win up front. Notre Dame is not yep. going to consistently outskill Alabama, USC, Georgia. Right. Now, I mean, they're when you've got Michael Floyd or something, you can make that argument. That's fine, but by and large, that's not going to be the case. And even if you do, it's advantageous to just beat the crap out of the guy in front of you and make yep. it second out of five. That never changes. So I'm, I'm cool with this. Brian, you said guys, earlier in the show, real quick, because I want to I want you to build on that. You said earlier in the show about because some people say, that, well, you know, you're just you're you're kind of giving up on trying to do this, that or the other thing. Uh, you're, you said earlier in the show, you know, you grew up in the Lou Holtz era. You and I both grew up in the Lou Holtz era. That was the same thing that was true back then, too. So, I mean, look, they had their rockets and their Ricky Waters, but other teams would have like seven dudes that could run. Their name would have like three. You know, they had the secondary guys, but the overall team speed wasn't the same where Notre Dame was able to neutralize that and where their speed could then shine is because they would beat you up in the trenches. That's why they were able to beat Miami. That's why they were able to beat Florida State. That's why they beat Florida. And even harder against Miami because Miami was the one Southern team that actually had really good trench play, which is partly why they dominated everybody else in the South. And that's, that's always been the recipe at Notre Dame. You're going to get your fair share of skill players, but to your point, you're not going to have a roster that has Jerry Judy, 
uh, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jalen Waddle on the same team. You're, you may get one of those guys, but you're not going to get – or even two, but you're not going to get four of them. And that's why it's important to get kids like this. And here's another thing too, Brian. You now have two offensive linemen from Illinois, two from North Carolina, and one from Kansas. I, I do like the aspect of, of – maybe it's a bias that I have, but I like getting more of the northern – Midwestern type of lineman. I think those kids just tend to understand what Notre Dame is about a little bit more, I think, maybe than than kids who come from different parts. That doesn't mean kids from another part of the country can't shine. We've seen it. But I just really like finding as many kids as possible that are that are Midwestern North Northern kids. I think that you're you're mostly right with that. I mean, I've lived down south for quite a few years now. Most of the kids look at things differently in Dixie. Uh, I just recently moved to Texas. It's a little different than Florida, but overall the point is still the same. It's more individualistic. Um, we need kids at Notre Dame, especially O-line. They're going to buy into Harry Heastan, the overall message from really just anybody on the coaching staff, but Marcus Freeman, and they're just going to go through the grind. Um, my question for you with this kid, assuming there's, and I'm sure somebody will transfer or get hurt. What are the O-line numbers in totality next year. Are we at 15? It's so right they about have, They'll have, when they close. show up next year, they'll be at 14 for next year with the 21, 22, and 23 classes. And then you'll have the two, the two 22 kit, the two 20 kids. So uh, you'll have Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody. And then you'll have the two kids from the 2019 class, most likely. You know, so, assuming they're over. Leave. so they'll be at 18, which I think is 15 to 18 is really where you want to be. Uh, in, in the, with that group. And then the other thing too, that, that is factors into this, and we'll talk even more about this in the what's next portion, but part of the reason they were, if they could find the right kid, they wanted a fifth is right now the 24 class is not looking like a real deep yeah. offensive line class, especially in the Midwest, you know, and then there's some kids that they liked, but you know, like they passed on the Ian Moore kid from Indiana who committed to Ohio state. He just didn't really fit their profile. They obviously have Peter Jones, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of dive into more of that. But they also kind of had to look at that and say, maybe some kids emerge and allow us to get to four next year. But I think you're going to see 23, 24 be the targeted number. Because to your point, what you can't do is get into the years where you're bringing six guys in consistently. No. You'd have done that this year if it was the right guys, but only because you couldn't turn guys away, not because it was necessarily your ideal. So now you have five, four, five, and then you get three, and then you get back into a four, five, four, five type of range. And with the portal, some kids are going to leave as they get to be juniors and get their degrees because they're getting passed by. So you'll see more of the the older kids start to kind of leave after you know three, three and a half years because they're going to they can transfer right away. They'll have years of eligibility, and you'll be in a situation where they're going to have their degree. So we'll see that as well. It, it'll work itself out. But I think eighteen is about as as high as you want to go. You know, but a lot of it's going to be here's the interesting thing. A lot of it's going to be young. A lot of it's going to be juniors and younger, you know, and red shirt, red shirt, sophomores and younger, with the exception of Blake Fisher and Joe Walt looking into next year with it when they'll be juniors. So that impacts it as well. And that's how, uh, you know, you look at the, the class impact of it. Again, I like the balance of what they do. I do. I like what I like the balance of it. You've got length. Here's nothing too. you've got length. We'll talk about this. Harry, he likes length. Joe Otting is about 6'4", but he's long. Sullivan Absher is incredibly long. Charles Jagasaw is insanely long. And Christopher Tarek is long. The only guy that's not real long is Sam Pendleton, who's around 6'3", 6'4", 
good length, but interior, good, good interior length, yeah. you know, different. and that's Harry's deal. And every single one of those kids that they're recruiting plays offensive tackle in high school. And that's another thing that you see Harry Heastan usually is all about. He very rarely will he take a guy that plays inside in high school. He loves kids to play tackle in high school. And then they project to different things inside. And that's, that's where I like it. That's where I like it. And that's where he likes it as well. I'm curious to see how quickly they can get Charles Jagasaw up to speed. Yeah. You mentioned Fisher and you mentioned Alt. I would say conservatively, barring injury or something unforeseen, one of those two will leave after their junior year, if not both. I think that's probably something that Notre Dame is, you know, conversed about recruiting as well. Uh, whether you take a, a tackle transfer or one of these kids develops, you just want to give yourself options, but they're doing well enough now, especially with Jagasaw coming in. I would imagine they'd have somebody they could, you know, just a high talent guy that can do that. Most schools can't handle losing an NFL offensive tackle early. It screws them up. Even Notre Dame, Michigan, et cetera, those schools, it's hard to lose. I mean, Alabama, Georgia, they're, they have been just factory with OTs here lately outside of those two schools. And even Iowa, it usually, it's a four and five year player. So, I, I think it's good that Notre Dame is in that position where they're not just scrambling. It wasn't all that long ago. I remember thinking to myself, we're lucky to run for 150 yards. You know, mm-hmm. now if Notre Dame doesn't run for 150, it's very disappointing. Yeah. It's like almost shocking. Like last night really surprised me, but there were some things they, they just couldn't get USC off the field and that killed the offense, but they, they rarely are in that and they take it to the other team. OT is Notre Dame strength. Mm-hmm. And it should be moving forward, and that's a huge advantage for the Irish. Let's watch some film, Brian. And I want to kind of bring this up. I want to look at this kid and kind of take a dive into to what he brings, right, Brian? And I, I think this is something obviously we we like to do. Let's uh, let's get him on the full screen. Y'all don't need to see us, right? He's he's better looking than we are anyway. So let's get this here on uh, Christopher Tarek. So you, he is a right tackle. For uh, his high school team, as you'll see here, this is senior film. First thing that I that you'll notice, Brian, obviously, is you kind of work through the different traits. When you watch a kid, you look for size, and this kid has lots of size. I mean, he's he's listed at six five to six six. He's listed between two ninety five to three hundred five. He's got really good length, but he's not a fat, pudgy three hundred five where you've got to work 15, 20 pounds off first. You know, he's that typical midwestern big. You know what I mean? Like a Liam Eikenberg type, but, uh, you know, type of big as opposed to, uh, you know, a guy that you may see coming from a, from a Southern or Southwestern area. I think he's a kid that can, he could play right tackle if you needed him to, but I like the way he moves in a short area. I like him better at guard and he is a mauler. So he, he certainly fit what Wisconsin did. Look at that finish. Yeah. Yeah. He, another thing too, Brian, that I like, he's a big kid. But I a long kid, but he he plays with good pad level. I mean, he doesn't move his feet great on this particular snap, but you see him sink his butt. He keeps his base wide, plays with good pad level. You you see a lot of six six kids that they come off really high, especially against smaller kids, and they have a really hard time kind of bending. You see a good knee bend here. Again, he's not a, a, an exceptional athlete, which we'll get into, but you see an immediate knee bend. Right, sinks his butt, bends his knees. And then shoots his hands. That's what you want to see. Now, next step for him, Brian, would be, okay, move your feet on contact. All right? Don't don't get heavy-footed on contact. But a lot of the other stuff that you see on a clip like this and other clips, Brian, is really sound stuff that shows me, 
a kid that knows how to bend. And of course you, you see the finish there. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any problem with him playing on the inside. It fits his personality. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important too. You can get away with the tackle that maybe plays a little high. You cannot have a guard that plays high, Brian. He'll get killed. He'll get crushed. He'll, you'll get in his pads the whole game. You'll get underneath his pads the whole game long. So I like the fact that he, he can play with good pad level. And he's, you know, he, this is why he's a guard, Brian. Like you'll see clips of him here in a little bit where he's not like a guy that's like necessarily great in space on the edge, but his short area quickness and power is impressive. He gets on this kid in a hurry. He really fires off the ball well. You see him keeping low. What I like about this clip, he's not playing a real big kid, but you don't see his head. Once he hits that guy, you don't see his head anymore because he's got his pads low and he's getting up underneath this kid, which is, again, not something that's easy to do for a six foot six high school kid. And then another pancake. Lots of that in this film. Yeah, most of the kids he's going against, once he gets his two hands on, they're in a, they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Moves his feet well when he when the when the technique is right, he moves his he can he can move his feet well. Uh, at times I think he 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 gets a little heavy footed with his technique, but like that's a good clip where he moves his feet on contact. You, the other thing too, he uses his hands pretty well, Brian. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him shoot a little bit better, but I think he moves his moves his hands well. This is another clip. You see how quickly he gets off the ball, gets up into this kid, does a nice job of moving his feet here, overtakes that kid, and like, look, here's the deal, Brian. Kids kids don't pancake this much in college, right? Like Quentin Nelson didn't pancake people this much in college, right. but. I need to see a high school kid that just constantly puts people on the ground, like on their back like this. Like that's a, that's a big tell for me for a high school kid as far as just his power, you know. Especially for a kid that's going to have to play on the inside, at least if he's going to maximize his ability, that's absolutely true. So in his pad level, like you were talking about, Ooh. Notre Dame goes up against a lot of teams with really athletic interior defensive linemen. USC being obviously one of them. Yep. You better have guys that can move people or, or they're going to get too many tackles for loss. You're not going to have a chance. Look how quickly he gets off the line here. He really comes off the, the line well, moves quickly to the second level. This is one of the few second level clips. And then, of course, another puts a little kid in a little bit of the rock bottom there. <clears throat> Might want to work on not getting that hand around real quick. I like this here. Keeps that outside arm free. This is another fundamentally sound play. He's working on the combo block. He doesn't turn inside to the end. He keeps his hips square, sees that guy shoot inside, which allows him to easily get up to the linebacker. And guess what? Another guy that gets put on the ground. And if you watch game film, there's some game film that you can find on, on YouTube. This this happens a lot. I mean, he, he really can drive people off the ball. He really gets pushed off the ball, which I like. I like a lot. When was the last time we flipped a kid from Wisconsin? Oh boy, um, I can't remember. I know they they beat Bill, they beat Wisconsin for Billy Shrouth last year, but he was never he was never committed to Wisconsin. I do not, he was not committed to Wisconsin when he picked Notre Dame. I don't believe he was ever committed to Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's been a while. And the other thing too is Bob Bostad's back as their offensive line coach, and he is the guy that kind of got a lot of that stuff started with uh, B. Lamud and then Chris a little bit before he moved to the NFL and then came back to coach linebackers. Gets his feet a little narrow here. You'll see that at times. He'll narrow his feet at times. That's a technique thing. Starts off well, starts with a nice base, but he keeps that that left foot uh, kind of set, and then he brings that right foot a little bit too much. But that's all correctable stuff. Kid plays a lot of power, a lot of force. 
and he's a mover, Brian. I mean, that's what, you're, that's what you've said multiple times now. Like, Notre Dame needs kids that can move people, and this is a kid that can move people. Yeah, you need at least one road grader in your starting five. He obviously fits the profile. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that's what he stands. Like, we, we talked about this on our show before, Brian. Uh, some of the – you see a little – this is one of the few clips you can see him up close. This is where you see that thick bottom, right? You see that, Brian, like – Big butt, big thighs, big hips. Like, this is the kind of Midwestern kid I'm talking about. He's not fat at all. He's just a thick kid. But uh, one of the things that, that I think that we've seen in recent years is they've, they've, they've got a lot of long athletic types, but Notre Dame hasn't recruited a ton of of thumpers, you know, and, and that's what this class is full of. Like, with the exception of Joe Odding, who's more of an athletic kid, and Joe, trust me, Joe can hit, but – I mean, Jagasaw's a thumper. Sullivan Absher's a thumper. Sam Pendleton's a thumper. This kid's a thumper. I don't think that's by accident with Harry, with it being Harry Heastan's first offensive line class, Brian. I think they know what we were talking about earlier. They're going to out-athlete teams to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but in the elite level games, even if you look at Georgia right now, who I think is going to win another national title, you have to beat people up because everybody has athletes once you get into the top ten in the country. It's still about blocking and tackling. That really doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So why try to beat beat the system that's set the way it is? Right. You know, you're just well. Look you're what Michigan's done to Ohio State the last two years. Michigan can't match Ohio State athlete for athlete. They just beat them up. You know that's a big key. They absolutely mauled them yesterday. Ohio State scheme wasn't very good on defense, mm-hmm. and they were not ready for the physicality. Mm-hmm. So. Michigan, you got to give them credit. They, they oh. that Keegan guy they have is a, a player that's similar to this mm-hmm. kid. Keegan's just a lot more technically sound. Obviously, he's mm-hmm. an NFL player, but they couldn't do anything with him. He had his way with the Ohio State guys. This is one of the few pass blocks you'll see, Brian. This is good technique for a high school tackle. And and to your point earlier, he could play right tackle in a Wisconsin system, an Iowa system, right? In a Notre Dame system, I think he's more of a guard. But you see, nice base here out of the stance. You know, nice. You know, good length, not elite length there, but, you know, moves his feet relatively well, mirrors relatively well, you know, good high school tackle. But in high school, in, in college, I think you start putting this in short areas and he projects to be a really good pass blocker. It, you know, like that's the, that's where I think Josh Lug was at his best this year is, is an, is an interior pass blocker. You know, Josh, I think all the injuries have kind of taken a lot of Josh's ability to just really punish people away. Like he could in high school and earlier in his career with all the back injuries and stuff. But that's what Josh was coming out of high school. And I see this kid is very similar and and projects very well as a pass blocker at the next level, also in my opinion, on top of being a good – I mean, run blocking is why you're primarily getting him. But I think there's some projection there for him to be a, a good a good pass blocker as well with some technical work. I always like seeing offensive linemen playing in the snow. You're like, okay, yeah, you're getting a, you're getting a northern kid. You're getting the right kind of kid. Yeah, I don't get it's to him. see that where I'm at. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's him playing defensive line, by the way. That's a good sign. Taking on taking on a du- splitting a double team, <laughs> running back just runs into him and falls down. He doesn't even really tackle the guy. I love it. That is not a good football player. <laughs> no, it's Bad not. Decision. Bad yeah. decision. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's he's a good football player. You know it. It's almost like every clip almost looks the same, Brian. Comes off, drives a dude off the ball, and puts him on his butt. You know, it's like, okay, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Oh, that's that's okay. That's where you want it to be. That's absolutely where you want it to be. Here's Wasn't, another defensive clip. 
wasn't Chris Watt from that area? Yes. I think Chris Watt went to the same high school. I, I thought he did so, too. Um, let me let me see here real quick. Chris, he was from Glen Ellen. He went to Glen Bard uh, West. West. Yeah, so same same high school. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say that program is not a stranger to having good football players. Mm-hmm. It's Illinois, Indiana, Purdue. Those kind of schools have always recruited mm-hmm. there. Yep. Yep. So that's you know that's. Uh, I mean, again, Brian, we could keep playing this over and over and over again, but you're you're just going to keep seeing the same clips from this kid. Here's a defensive clip. Okay, here we go. Yeah, he's. And before anyone asks, he's not a college defensive tackle. No, but, but you, but like you said, you like to see it. This is a really nice play right here. Look, look how look how his snap anticipation too, Brian. He's always the first kid moving, like getting those feet working inside. I really like that quick power step brings that second foot appropriately, but doesn't bring it too far this time. So he's able to keep his base, work his hips around, seal that backside off and then just punish the kid. It's a powerful football player. This reminds me so much of when Joe Moore was at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. This is okay. Look, this is something he doesn't play a lot of guard. This clip right here was interesting. I thought Brian, Technique as a puller is going to need a lot of work, but he gets out there pretty quickly, and that's good to see. His feet you need to be are quicker able to... than you would give yeah. him credit for until you really mm-hmm. watch the film. Mm-hmm. That's a nice down block there. He's trying to get on. He he's trying to block a kid who's playing in a two eye there. Yeah, that's not that's not a good play for what he's right. at. Yeah, but he gets it and punishes a kid. Now that's harder to do when you're playing. Yeah, Division guys. One. Right. Division One. That's not going to work out well. Right. This is nice leg drive here. Keeps his base. Gets a push. Let's go There's block. nothing like moving a man against his will. Yes. Yes. And the thing too is, Brian. A lot of kids can get pancakes where they move a kid and the kid kind of gets upfield and then they um, they fall on him. Right. That's not a pancake. That's just you leaned on a kid. That just All tells the, me you're not being athletic. Right. All <laughs> these kids are kids he's putting back and on their backs. That's not an easy thing to do. I don't really care what level of football. To do it as often as he does it, it's not an easy thing to do. It's really not an easy thing to do. And this is a decent level of competition, too, for Illinois, Brian. I mean, there's – there's, I mean, again, same area, same – I think it's the same district. You've got Cam Williams, who's a Notre Dame commit, who went off this year. You yeah, mentioned that. They're going to produce Division One kids. It's suburban Chicago. There are football yeah. players, no question. So, no Brian, question. that is Christopher Tarek's film. I, look, that that was much better than his junior film. Oh, and 100%. I'll say this: you you know who he reminds me a lot of now? Different players, but I'm talking about making a big junior to senior jump. The late Taylor Dever. Right. Like really? he was a kid who as a junior, you're looking at, you're like, eh, no, no, he's not a Notre Dame kid. But then you watch him as a senior, like, whoa, because Notre Dame got on him a little bit late, similar situation and flipped him. And you're like, this kid's, you know, three star kid. You, 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 OK, where where's this coming from? And then you pop the film on and you're like, wow, this kid got a lot better as a senior. Uh, not quite the, the jump that because Taylor Dever, I don't think, was even a division one kid, in my opinion, as a junior. And then he went to a Notre Dame caliber kid and started multiple years at Notre Dame. Was on Brian Kelly's or Harry, you know, Brian Kelly's first couple offensive lines at Notre Dame. 
but uh, he's a, he's a, he had a similar jump, and I think that's something that you notice on film. Technical improvement, but really came down to power and size and just ability to just punish people. Really took a jump as a senior. We need to find more kids like this early in the process. I'm just I'm glad they got him, but you need at least one power player, mm-hmm. pure power player, mind you, in my opinion. If you're going to do, especially with you know how yeah. much of it just straight ahead duo combination blocking they're doing. If you're going to do that, I mean, he fits it to a T. Yeah. Well, and I that's mean, what I like fine. about this class, Brian, because Jagasaw is a power player. Absher's a power player mm-hmm. and Pendleton's a power player. And now you've got this kid. And I think it helps overcome that you didn't, you didn't get as many of those guys. I mean, Michael, like Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody in 2020, neither of those guys are power players. They're both kind of athletic long guys, you know, last, you know, 2021 class, you know, Blake Fisher is that, but, you know, Joe Alt's not a power player. He's a long, athletic kid. Caleb Johnson's an all, a long, athletic kid. You're very familiar with Caleb Johnson. He's not a power player, per se. Rocco was. Uh, last year's class, Ty Chan was. But you had Ashton Craig was an athlete. Emil Wagner was an athlete. Billy Shrouth is, a, is an athlete, although Billy also has power. And then Joey Tonona was sort of that in-between, you know, of this. This class is, is enhancing just the pure – we're going to come off and punch you in the mouth for 60 minutes and move you. And that's what I think makes this class so good. I don't know if there's a better offensive line class in the country, in my opinion, than this one, in my personal opinion. Out of the kids you just mentioned, if you think about a few selling points, people often ask me, Notre Dame has struggled forever and probably always will. Corner, D-line, it's the hardest spots to recruit. And you say, well, what about this kid? And one of the things I'll tell somebody if they haven't seen him, I'll say, here's something you need to know. He was offered by Alabama. Mm-hmm. He was offered by LSU. He was offered by Southern Cal. And those are, you know, for like a D-end. If a D-end has an offer from Georgia, he's good. <laughs> he's, right. you know, it's, it's not – Well, I can scout, but it's it, sometimes it's just not rocket science. Right. Wisconsin wanted Shrout. Wisconsin wanted this kid. And then, of course, Fisher had offer from freaking every school in the country. And then, you know, you get, you get lucky with Alt who, you know, kind of a late developer, they, mm-hmm. they, they've hit the home run with these kids. And then Jack Assault, too. They have some NFL players that are freshmen, sophomores, going to be junior in every class, in my opinion. That makes life much easier for your quarterback situation. Brian, there's a trifecta of offers. And you and I were told this when we came up, especially. There's a trifecta of offers that if a kid has an offer from those three schools, looking at it, as if Notre Dame offers a kid that has offers in those three schools, it matters. And it was Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And this kid had offers from all three of those schools, which yes. is important to me. Right. And then of course, Harry, and, and then the final stamp of approval is, you know, Harry, he wanted them. Okay. <laughs> Enough said, but well, to your well. point, that was part of my argument for why I was so confident that everybody else was missing the boat with Benjamin Morrison last year. Because Alabama. who wanted him? Bama Alabama. and Jimmy, Jimmy Lake may not be a very good head coach, and he may not be a very good defensive coordinator. But outside of Nick Saban, he is one of the two or three best identifiers of secondary talent in the country, which is why Washington every year was pumping out first and second round draft picks in the yep. secondary every year under Jimmy Lake. When you beat Alabama and you beat Washington, Washington for a kid from Arizona, it tells me, okay, I've got what I want to see, right? And that's what, you know, like um, – when Chris, when we were, when Chris Watt was a really highly ranked kid coming out, and Chris Watt was really good, and everybody loved Chris Watt. 
But I remember one of the things I was told, this was when I first was getting into scouting, was Iowa loves Chris Watt, but their top lineman is Zach Martin. There it is. Remember that? And it was 100%. like, because you and I were very high on Zach Martin, and Notre Dame was trying to go for Michael Schofield. They wanted Michael Schofield over Zach Martin. Now, Michael Schofield's a good football player. But you and I were like, no, this Zach Martin kid's a dude. And then that was part of the thing was, is like, that's who Kirk Ferentz views as the best lineman in the country. Like, okay, that tells me something, right? No, Notre Dame lucked out. This is Charlie's staff. They lucked out, and Schofield starts leaning to Michigan. So then they make a move for Zach Martin, everybody get him, and it worked out. But, you know, that's the thing is Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan. If those three kids want a school, you keep an eye on that. Pay attention to that. Just like corners, if Nick Saban offers a corner, that 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 means something to me. You know, when Nick Saban oh, offers a Don Schuler, when when Alabama offered a Don Schuler, that should have been a wake up call to Notre Dame fans. Like, uh oh, like, all right, cool. Wow, that that says something to me because Alabama's offering trying to flip this kid. Okay, there we go. And that's what you see from the current class. Uh, who are the schools offering the Notre Dame's current corners? It's it's LSU, it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's and it's that tells you that that these kids are special. And and that's Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan are all offers for this kid, and it tells you that they that he's a good player. So let's move on to Ryan. Brian will wrap up with a what's next, and then we we will answer some questions here because we do have a few questions from people that I want to, I do want to kind of address with some. So we'll kind of stick more to the recruiting questions and things along those lines. But what's next with this class? Well, obviously, with what's next, we'll look at it from an from an offensive line standpoint, and then sort of the twenty twenty three standpoint. They're clearly done on twenty twenty three offensive line recruiting. I mean, they got their five. They have. You know, if not the best, they're in the conversation for the best, one of the two or three best offensive line classes in the country, in my view, and I don't see anybody else surpassing them, in my opinion. They're at least going to be in the conversation. So they're done here. So then what's next? I think the next thing is, Brian, now what this allows them to do, and, and they've been kind of already doing this a lot, is they're, they've spent a lot of time focusing on the 2023, 2024 class. They already have Peter Jones in the class for 2024. And now they're going to continue to focus on a kid named Gearby Lambert, who's from Massachusetts. You've heard a lot about him on our show. We've talked about him. He's a teammate of Bubakar Traore. He's sort of that next guy that they're really pushing for. He's a pure tackle, which is important because I think, to your point, you need power players every class. There's there's three there's two things that you got to check off every year if you're Notre Dame. Number one, you got to you got to recruit power players. Number two, you need to land at least two pure tackles, guys that no question can play tackle. Now they may end up moving to guard if if the depth chart allows for them to play there, but you got to get guys that are pure tackles and Gearby Lambert's a pure tackle. By getting this kid, you also now really only need three linemen next year. And so this is going to allow them to kind of really zero in on the guys that they really like and the guys they really want. And, and Gearby Lambert's the name you're going to hear. They're still kind of searching for who may be that third guy. Uh, again, it's not a great class, not a lot of great fits. I think they're looking for another pure tackle because Peter Jones is kind of a tackle guard, like power player type. I think they'd like to get another, another pure tackle if they can in next year's class. So when you look at what's next, Brian, in 2020 with offensive line recruiting, it's really now moving forward to the 2024 class. Gearbury Lambert being the top player on the board for the staff from everything I've been able to tell from my sources. And that's been true really for a while. He was one of the very first 2024 offensive linemen to get offered. And they offered him months ago. Who's and they've the been on him for, for a while. Him? Who's Notre Dame competing? Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley is a kid he reminds me a lot of as a player. Um, really long, 
a, a little unorthodox because he's kind of growing into his body, a little awkward, but you can see flashes of like some really impressive athleticism. There's a little bit of junior film that came out this past year. His high school, for whatever reason, just does not put out a lot of film. I still can't find film of Bubakar Traore. Uh, and they That's they crazy. don't they, they don't talk. They don't they're not really helpful. Most have things. It is what it is. But I probably found about 30 clips of him as a junior, and he start his his uh, his awkwardness is kind of gone now. He's much more athletic. He's much more natural because Ronnie was that way. Remember, that's why Ronnie was a little bit underranked. People say, "Oh, all the recruiting services missed the boat on Ronnie Stanley," and I'm like, "Well, kind of," because you could see the upside. But that's the flaw in that recruiting system, which is why you know we focus on the two grades. So where is the kid now, and what's his upside grade? Well, they don't have that. Because with Ronnie Stanley, you always knew the ceiling was really high, but he also had a little bit of a lower floor because he's kind of raw. He was still kind of growing into his body. This kid has a very similar body to Ronnie. He has, I'd say he's probably a little bit more athletic than Ronnie was at the same age. Uh, not quite as big as Ronnie, but I think that's a very similar comp for me, his body type, movement skills, and then the fact that he's going to need a lot of work. Uh, I think Gearby reminds me. I mean, he's a top 100 talent for me, no question, with borderline five-star upside and that's off of limited film, you know, so I don't hand out a lot of five-star upside grades when I don't have a ton of film of kids. It just says a lot about what you can see from that kid on film already. What schools will Notre Dame be competing with? Well, I mean, honestly, I think Notre Dame has kind of put themselves in, in position for him, Brian, but I mean, he's, I'm pull up his offer list now. He's got, he's got a ton of big offers. He, again, he's from Massachusetts. <laughs> if he's uh, getting Ohio, SEC yeah, offers Ohio already, State, that's all I need to Penn know. Penn State, um, Michigan, so my LSU, Kentucky, <laughs> Miami, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, South Carolina, Stanford, and Wisconsin are the schools that have offered him. Stanford so offers a good sign for Notre Dame. That's yeah. historically always mm -hmm. been a good sign. It means he, yeah. he goes Acad to class. Yeah, and the school he goes to, Catholic Memorial in Massachusetts, yeah. it's, a, it's a very high academic school. No question. So, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then also, if you look at Gearby Lambert, he's starting to become a much more highly ranked player. Rivals now has him in their top 100. On three has him as the number one, a 13 overall player in the country, and ESPN has him at number 65. So he's really seen his ranking skyrocket wow. as more people have seen his junior film. So very, very talented, very, very talented young man. Now, the other part of the what's next, Brian, is what's left in the 23 class. Right now, Notre Dame has two more spots that they'd like to fill. Now, obviously, in the last week, you've seen them get Kenny Minchie, now Christopher Tarek. Your offensive class is close to done. Notre Dame would like to land one more receiver, and we all know the kid that they're zeroing in on. That is Caleb Smith from Texas, a kid that was committed to Texas Tech, a, a bit of a sleeper prospect that Notre Dame got on, Brian, a kid that's got a verified 4-4-9-40 time. A lot. He's a six-foot slot that can play X. You know, reminds me a lot of like a Braden Lindsay, how you could use him type guy there positionally, more of a natural receiver than Braden was. You know, kid has got great route running potential. Right. Staff is very high on him. I'm talking about just the positional fit is what I was referring to with Braden Lindsay and the body type. Very similar to Braden Lindsay body type wise and positional fit. He's more of a natural football player where, you know, Braden was a track kid that had to learn to play football. Um, I, I like him in the slot in a pro-style offense. If they were playing in a spread offense, I would like him actually more outside because he's got some vertical ability. He can take the top off of defense. He's got really good route running skills. In Notre Dame's system, I think he really fits that. I, what I refer to him, Brian, is a pro-style slot, not a Clemson slot. You know what I mean? Just and so, shifty yeah, guy. Exactly. Like a shorter, shifty, catch a bunch of – He's more of a pro-style slot that he's going to run routes. He can do the after-the-catch stuff as well, 
but he's the guy that this staff is zeroed in on. They're hoping to get him and you know get him to make a decision here or announce a decision here very soon. The staff is very high on Caleb Smith. They've been pushing hard for him. He's the guy that they kind of backed off Tayshawn Lyons for uh, because they kind of looked at him as a better complement to the other four that they have in the class. Then also they still would like to get a 27th player. Uh, now, who is that going to be? We'll find out. Uh, I think that there's a couple kids that are looking at right now. Uh, there's a chance they could go to 28, depending on what happens with the portal here coming out uh, over the next month. Uh, but another kid that they've really zeroed in on is Brandon Hillman. Brian, you know I'm going to love this kid because he's from my he's from the 757. So you know I'm going to have a bias here. But honestly, Brian, when I watched this kid's film, I was like, this kid gives me like the feels I had when I watched Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Because remember, we t- I mean, he, he, Jeremiah right. Wusukoromoa and high school would line up at free safety on one snap. He'd blitz off the edge as like an outside linebacker in the next. He played wide receiver, running back, quarterback, corner, like he did everything, and that's how that's how this kid is. I mean, some schools were recruiting him as a quarterback. You know, some schools recruiting him as a running back. He could play receiver. He could play safety. He could play rover. And when people ask me what's Notre Dame him Notre Dame recruiting him to play, and I'm like football. I mean, he's that kind of guy. You you figure out where he's going to play later. I like him as a rover receiver. I think those are probably my two favorite positions. I think he could definitely play safety as well. Um, and he's a kid that you just want. I mean, because like sometimes I watch the film, I'm like, yeah, I really love this kid on defense. And then you see him with the ball in his hands, you're like, man, I'd love to get this kid to football. Uh, but he's a kid from Churchland High School in Portsmouth, which is uh, a very high academic kid. Had offers from uh, obviously from Virginia. Was was had an offer from Virginia, which is an, an important offer for me to know a kid's academic standing. Notre Dame had him on campus again this fall in October as well, but he's another kid that they're pushing for and just they'll kind of let the position part of it figure itself out later if they can get him. He announced today, he well, he reaffirmed today that he will be making his decision known on December 7th. That is his mom's birthday, so that is the date that he picked. And he's, he's blown up, Brian. He's a kid that when Notre Dame kind of got on him, uh, it's, got, it's got a very interesting backstory, which I'll eventually kind of get into. But when Notre Dame got on him, uh, he was a kid that had offers from like Norfolk State and Virginia. And and then all of a sudden you, you hear you start hearing some rumors about, you know, Notre Dame kind of getting on him. And then all of a sudden the offer list starts blowing up. And then when you look at his offer list now, uh, it now consists of because nobody had really heard of this kid prior to, um, you know, prior to him starting to get some Notre Dame interest. But if you look at his offer list now, Brian, it's USC, Notre Dame, USC, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Miami, North Carolina, Kentucky, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Boston College. Here's a key one, Vanderbilt in West Virginia. So the Virginia Vanderbilt offers to yeah, me are important because it, it tells me, that, okay, that's a kid that, that they've looked at the academics. But he went from none of those offers except like maybe Virginia Tech gone on him, Virginia got on him late. But all those offers came in the last couple months, last month or two, as people saw his senior film. And as he also, it's also part, he became more open to not playing quarterback because he was really dead set on wanting to be a quarterback. And I remember somebody telling me that. Not a college quarterback, in my opinion. So uh, he's a kid that Notre Dame is also on. They're also recruiting Khalil Barnes, who is another kind of all-around guy from Georgia. Uh, he's a kid that can play receiver, can play corner, can play safety. I'd more like him as a safety receiver type. I, I kind of like him more as a safety, really, to be honest with you. I think he moves a little bit more like a safety. And then don't be surprised over the next couple of weeks if another DB name pops up at some point in time that the staff's taking a look at, uh, depending on kind of what happens with the current roster. So there's just some names on the board. I'm not going to get into them right now, 
that if there are departures from the current roster, sure. that you may see them look to fill those because that's what Notre Dame wants to do. There will be some portal options, but Notre Dame is primarily going to be a program that says we're going to recruit high school kids and develop high school kids with the occasional transfer fix, which is what they've always done, right? Going back to Cody Rick, I mean, I mean, the 1988 team had a transfer on it, you know, Pat Eilers, but it's just not going to be how Notre Dame makes their bread and butter. And we can argue all day about whether they should or shouldn't. That's just not where they are right now. They're going to try to get a quarterback and receiver and maybe a defensive end, but th their bread and butter is going to be recruiting high school kids and developing high school kids, whether we like it or not. I'm okay with it. But so I think when you see kids leave more often than not, you're going to see Notre Dame replace them with high school kids and that's kind of what you are going to see in this class as well. So it could get up to 28, Brian, but I'm, I'm feeling much better about my months ago prediction that they'll get to 27. I'll be shocked if they don't get to at least 27 now in this class. Well, I think like you, and I'm not from Virginia, I'm a big fan of that kid because I've watched his film a couple of times. Where do you play him? And if you're a 3-3-5 defense or if you're a 4-3 defense, there's a lot of ways you could look at it, but he gives you options especially when you go against a team one week's a power football team then the next week it's a spread team. You can move him around on defense. That's how I, I would start there. But if he ended up at wide receiver, I wouldn't complain either. It just as an example, good athletes tend to work out, figure it out later. Lou Holtz and Vinny Serrato, yeah. about a third of their class were kids. They didn't know exactly where they were going to play rocket being one of them. Mm -hmm. So right. it, you know, it's, it's just incredible how many of their key players have moved positions and not only done well at Notre Dame, ended up in the NFL. Bobby Taylor played corner, played free safety. You know, it's, yeah. if you're good, it takes care of itself. Give me the players, allow the coaching staff well, well, to make well, Brian, where'd Reggie Brooks begin his career at Notre Dame? Where'd Audrey Denson corner. begin his career? Right. Yeah. I mean, right. he, they had so many running backs and Reggie was a good athlete. They're like, we'll at least put you over here for a while. Obviously, running back worked out long term. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, outside of a guy like Bettis, who's just, you know, that was just dumb. Everybody else pretty much had some versatility. Aaron Taylor played guard before he moved to tackle as a senior. Mm -hmm. He didn't even play a tackle till his senior year. Notre Dame had some guys up front, but they found ways to make it work. If you have good coaches, those things don't tend to be conversation points on message boards very often. The teams that are six and six, that might be more of a case because, like, when Holtz came in, he moved guys all over the place. Yeah. The rot and they were five and six that first year, but they should have been about nine and two. They lost like four games by a touchdown or less, of turnovers or a drop pass, etc. And then they, they would have won. But that's what good coaching does. And this staff has enough experience, and they've got a especially on defense now. They've got the corners coming up. I think it's we're going to see a lot of different things changing on defense moving forward. They need some more size inside. The USC game showed some of that, but mm -hmm. that's not a huge, huge concern. They've got some younger guys I think it'll be okay. Adding guys like Hillman just gives you more options yeah. for things you can do. I Rover or whatever, again, that'll take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, you let your roster figure it out. I mean, he see another kid from Virginia that was similar to that, Brian, is, is C.J. Procise. 100%. Who began his career at Notre Dame in safety, eventually moves to be a starting receiver, and then moves to running back where he'd never played in his life and rushes for a thousand yards and becomes a third round draft pick in one year as a running back. I mean, you're he, gonna find kids like that in Virginia. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, Virginia remember that play he ran that. down the sidelines against LSU? I mean, LSU. Oh, on the jet sweep? Yeah, 2014, getting the Music City Bowl? He didn't yeah. even have the angle, and the guy didn't get to it. And I'm Wasn't like, it Jamal oh. Adams? Yeah. It was Jamal Adams that was chasing him. I could I could be wrong on that, but I, I think I think so. So that's going to do it for our breakdown of Christopher Tarek and sort of a what's next for Notre Dame. We're going to do a little mailbag here next. So if you do have some questions, I, we're going to stick – to recruiting questions for now. Uh, Brian, do you have a few minutes to kind of hang out and answer some Let's questions? Let's do it, man. So we'll do that next. But before we get there, folks, please do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Sign up for our, our, board, our message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. And, of course, sign up for the CFB Nation channel on Apple or Spotify. And, of course, uh, subscribe to it on our YouTube channel. 